Would you like to know how to always successfully collaborate with other people? Hi, Shannon Waller here, and welcome to the Team Success Podcast. This podcast was actually inspired by an article I read that kind of panned collaboration, and I got really, really irritated. (laughs) And if you have listened to my podcast, Where Does Your Creativity Come From?, which was number 116, you'll know that it can come from two sources. One is inspiration, the other is frustration. So this is of the latter, (laughs) but I thought, okay, how can I transform this into something that's positive. You know, I did not like this particular author's take on collaboration. It talked about high performers in certain environments. And I can appreciate that, you know, I'm sure he has a point. However, it was so not related to my experience and I thought kind of dissuaded people from collaborating that I got really mad. And I don't normally do that. I'm fairly chill on most days. But I was super frustrated. I thought, oh my gosh, that is so not my experience. How dare they threaten <laughs> You know, something I consider really important and really essential to really great teamwork and especially unique ability teamwork. So I thought, okay, let's get a little bit more rational about this whole conversation. I thought, okay, if people are going to collaborate and collaborate well, how can they do that? So let's start off with a definition of collaboration, because I think that's fairly important. So I went to lovely Wikipedia today to find it. And this is the definition. I think it's a great one. Collaboration is the process of two or more people or organizations, which is exactly what Dan Sullivan's talking about in our Game Changer program, working together to complete a task or achieve a goal pretty straightforward, pretty simple. You know, teamwork is a great synonym for this. But I thought, okay, for collaboration to really work, and by the way, if it doesn't work, it means that one person's doing all the heavy lifting and everyone else is just dragging on the system. Or it means that, you know, distracting people or people are undercutting others. That's not what I'm talking about. That's, in fact, the complete and total opposite. But to have really great collaboration, I thought, okay, there's a few things that I know in my own teamwork, in my own experience of creative collaborations that I think might help. So this is my antidote. This is my solution. Instead of just ranting, I'm going to make a creative contribution to this conversation. So number one, I really think that effective, true, creative, productive collaboration starts when people are doing what they're really good at and what they also have a passion for. And yes, this is unique ability in our language. So it really is about, you know, I'm going to collaborate well when I know what I'm talking about, when I care about what I'm talking about, when I have new ideas. One of the ways I distinguish between whether or not I'm excellent at something which means I have superior skill, but really not so much passion, versus when I'm unique at something is depending on how many new ideas pop and bubble for me. And it's really interesting. This has happened a lot with me with Kathy Davis, who's my brilliant project manager. I have no idea how she does it for both myself and for Dan Sullivan, but she does. You know, I'll be like, oh, okay, we could do this. It's usually some version of something I've done before. And then Kathy will come in with this incredible suite of ideas. I'm like, oh my gosh, you are so much better at this than I am. (laughs) I think you should run with it. You know, I'll help, I'll support, but she has the vision. And it actually makes it really easy to hand over stuff that I might have hung on to before because she's so capable, that is never in question, and she has all of these additional ideas and creativity for it. So it makes it a real joy. And then often I'll be the one delivering what she's creating, so that's more my unique ability. But her creativity is really what puts the messaging together. So that's an example for me of unique ability. Or I may know something 
something needs to happen or be scheduled to get done. And then Nicole will see the whole cascade of how a project needs to get lined out in terms of timing and who we need to bring in and the different systems that things have to interface with. And I, of course, have no idea about those particular things. So I really count on other people to do what they are expert at so that we can fulfill a project. And why this is so important is if I don't have effective collaborators, people who are brilliant in their areas and who don't educate me, you know, on what needs to happen, my projects stay really, really small. If I'm going to have a bigger future, if I am going to create something big and have a big impact, I must collaborate, which means I need to be really confident in things that I know I'm really good at and have passion for. but also coachable by people who are really good at their area and also have a passion for it. So I'm like, okay, would this be better? Does that work? What should I do here? That to me is true collaboration so that we can produce the best result. There's not a lot of room for ego here. I can be confident, in fact, I better be, in terms of what I'm contributing, but I also need to be very coachable and open to other people's input. This is not just like, oh, I have all the answers. That's that's not collaboration. You can't collaborate with someone who is non-porous. You know, everyone has to be open for this collaboration to work. So that's, to my mind, one incredibly important element. The second important element is to get really, really clear on the result that you are looking for. And we use a tool at Strategic Coach called Impact Filters. And we now have a quarterly book called The Extraordinary Impact Filter. Highly recommend that because it really helps you get clear on a couple of things. One is what's the project? What's the goal? What's the result that we're after? And then it has the purpose. So what is it? Please define the terms. If you're not clear, no one else will be. What's the importance? And this is the why. This is what, is what difference is this going to make is the question for that. Again, one of the biggest dangers for innovators, for leaders, is that as long as we're clear on the why, we just think it's so obvious that everyone else should just get it and do what we say. Mm, well, people are smart and they have their own motivations. And unless we tie in and help them connect with how the why of the project connects to what they're up to in the world, they're not going to commit their talents and energy and creativity in our direction. So I think it's really important to be able to communicate the why. You know, Simon Sinek has awesome conversations about this too, if you need more justification for it. But sharing the why, being clear on it, you know, what difference will it make is critical. And then what's the ideal outcome? What does this look like if it just rocks the world? So that's kind of the emotional sale. You're selling yourself that way. Then we get into, on the impact filter, two emotional <laughs> emotional sources of fuel in the tank. One of them is fear and one is excitement. And we call this the worst result and the best result. So what is the best result if we accomplish this ideal outcome and we just win and there's, you know, crowds cheering and people throwing money, whatever the best result looks like. We've made a big impact. Again, whatever your fantasy looks like, you have some fun with that. And that should get you really excited. And then if we don't succeed, or if we don't do it, so what's the opportunity cost if we don't do it? You know, if we just keep going, is it the status quo? We won't grow, we'll start to shrink, because grow or die is kind of the motto I live by. So what's the cost if we don't actually take action, or we do it poorly? or if it doesn't work. So really important to actually do that. Don't freak yourself out, but it is powerful to kind of go, oh, okay, we need to do this. You know, intellectually is one thing, but getting your heart engaged or your team's heart engaged is vital. 
And then the third part are the success criteria. So if this project is going to be successful, how do you ensure the best result, prevent the worst? What are the elements of the ideal outcome that you can lay out? So you go, this has to happen, that has to happen, this has to happen, that has to happen. And then there's a checkbox. It becomes a checklist for people. And they go, oh, now I get it. And they're like, oh, I'm really good at this and this part. And let's get so-and-so involved with this. And then, okay, you need to do that. And all of a sudden, the project is super clear. And I'll often do kind of a basic one or a short version of this. But then I actually love doing impact filters with the team. So we co-create the vision together. And some people contribute more in different parts of it. But by the end, first of all, we have it on paper (laughs) and on screen, which is really powerful. But then also everyone can use this as the kind of source document. We can always refer back to it. Incredibly useful. I think you'll love it. So the impact filter means that we're all literally on the same page, again, which is one of the other dangers of collaboration. You know, everyone leaves a meeting thinking we've agreed on what's happening. And if you were to ask the five people, they have five different definitions because they latched on to that one part of it that they were keen on and other parts faded into the background. So, you know, really useful to have a document that lives beyond that one conversation. And the impact filter is just frankly the best way I know of how to do that. Now, Another thing that really speeds up collaboration and actually kind of keeps the door open for collaboration is something we call at Coach the 80% approach. And I love it. You know, we've got lots of communication about this, so I'll do a brief overview of it. But the 80% approach means that when you do your 80%, then you actually go, okay, here's my 80%, and then you do a handoff in which there's time involved. You need to make sure you're passing it to the right person. There's a whole teamwork model for this. But you do the handoffs. Okay, here's my 80%. Now, could you please do your magic? And if you can just imagine for a moment, and by the way, we have an awesome little quarterly book on the 80% approach as well. So if you want to learn more, jump into this one. So I want you to imagine that there's a box. This is actually where Six Sigma comes from, by the way. And you draw kind of a line horizontally from the bottom that represents 80% and draw 80% in the bottom. Okay. Then there's still 20% at the top that needs work. See, if you were to try and do 100% of something yourself, you would probably get stuck. You would get stopped. You would be perfectionistic about it. 100% is perfection. So most of us we kind of feel like we might try and get close, but we never quite get there, which leads to procrastination because you don't want to hand off something that isn't perfect. And it's quite a perspective shift. It's quite a mindset shift when you go, oh, okay, I'm actually going to do 80% and then I'm going to hand it off to the next person and they're going to do the next 80%, which takes the project actually, so two 80% out of 100 is 96%. Oh, we're making some progress here. And there's an important reason why you need to do this. And that is if I were to pass something over to someone, say it's a piece of writing, for example, and I'm like, okay, this is perfect. I have polished it. I've been working on it for months. Say it's an article. I was working on one this morning. Say it's an article. And like, I'm sure I know I need to pass it to you because you're the editor and I'm supposed to and check for typos and all that stuff. But frankly, I know it's perfect. So what happens if I pass it to my teammate with that incredibly egotistical attitude and comments and they read it and they go, oh my gosh, there are so many flaws in this and the sentence structure is terrible. The message doesn't come across. What was she trying to say anyway? Now, what is she faced with? You know, how do I tell her? Because I have left no room for improvement. I basically said it's perfect. I want you to rubber stamp it and send it out which is kind of dumb on my part because my name's on it. So I want something that actually is going to be better as a result. 
Now, if I pass it to her and say, you know what, here's my best 80%. I think it's good. I don't think it's perfect. Please do your magic, which is pretty much what I almost always say. Then that person can go, oh, great. And then they've got room to play. They've got room to utilize their unique ability and to make a contribution. Do you see the difference in how powerful that can be? And also, I have to tell you, it takes me a lot less time to get to 80% than it does to get to 100. I may take two hours getting an article to 80%, but it might take me another 10 to 20, or frankly, weeks, because I put it on the corner of my desk, I kind of let it marinate in what? I have no idea. And I look back at it, and then I may look at it and go, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? I'll rewrite chunks of it, you know, and I'll keep marking up and messing up my own stuff until finally it's probably unrecognizable at the end. Writing does not get better with age. It's not wine or cheese. So we kind of hold on to stuff way, way too long. We second guess ourselves. We quadruple check ourselves. I know, because people have told me this. And we don't just go, oh, okay, my 80% is good enough. I'm going to hand it off to the next person. Now, you'll notice I'm not saying, I'm going to do 20% and hand that off. That's kind of crappy teamwork. Don't do that. So this is about doing a solid effort. You are expending your best capabilities and talents and getting to the point where you still have energy, excitement, and enthusiasm. And as soon as you start to fall off that little cliff where you're like, okay, I'm getting sick of this, then it's time to pass it off to somebody else. That's your first 80%. And I'm assuming if you're a creative, intelligent, engaged human being, your work will be good. Your work will be decent. You're not passing up nothing as though it's something. You actually are doing quality. Work. So this is not letting you off the hook, but it's also making sure that you don't get stuck in that trap of perfectionism, which causes procrastination. We procrastinate because it's not perfect. That slows down business more than anyone. <laughs> I'd like to be able to measure this because I see the cost in myself in terms of time. I haven't done a time motion study on it, but it'd be really interesting to do that. But I can tell you that 80% speeds things up dramatically. So going back to our model, so now you're at 96%. Well, there's still 20% left. Well, then if you add another person, a third person, you know, depending on who that is, then you're at 99.2. Well, that's pretty darn good. You know, you can keep going. And this is actually where the Six Sigma concept comes from six times. By the way, you can't actually ever get to 100%. (laughs) Now, the fractions get really, really tiny, especially unless you're, you know, doing some kind of rocket science or brain surgery, you know, the more perfect, the better. But in most cases for what we do, getting it to market, getting it to your clients, it doesn't have to be 100% perfect. It can be 99.2 and it will be completely fine. If you are working with numbers, especially anyone's finances, please quadruple check them. But do it with someone who has a ton of mental energy and is really good at that phase of the work. They may not be good at doing the initial crunching, but they're brilliant at making sure that everything tallies and looks perfect. So it's understandable to your client, then that would be a wise thing to do. But again, that's where teamwork comes in. That's where collaboration is. So Just to kind of summarize this. So number one, collaboration works with people who are really talented and good at what they do. Collaborating with someone whose skill level or training or engagement level is way less is kind of hard. I will completely say that that's true. I'm not suggesting that anything else. But I think amazing collaboration comes from people when they contribute their best talents and we're all aligned on that result, which we've helped figure out with the impact filter. And then we each do our part, you know, especially when our handoffs are good, laying out the order. One of our other tools in Strategic Coach is called Unique Method. 
don't have a book on that one yet. But you know, it's like, what are the 12 steps in the process? What's the timing? Who's the next person? Do I know who to hand it off to? You don't want it sitting on the corner of the desk and trying to hit a deadline. It's like, oh, I didn't know what the deadline was. Hmm, that's frustrating. So making sure you have a really, really good handoff and say, this is the 80%, that's going to be really, really important. So communication is key. If you're going to have really good collaboration, in my experience, it actually demands a much higher level of communication. You have to understand how someone else receives it. How is it going to stick with them? When's a good time to do that? And to that end, I created an exercise called the Communication Builder. And I actually just did it with one of our brilliant writers at Coach. Her name is Samantha. I thought, I'm going to be working closely with Samantha. I love collaborating with her. You know, it's with her that I was working on this article. She did a brilliant job. We kind of go back and forth. It's really fun to have that partnership. You know, we sat down in a meeting a week and a half ago, and we did the communication builder so we could appreciate how each other likes to give and receive information and how we could make sure we take care of each other. One of the things I learned that, you know, in writing is really best for her. So we learned a lot about each other, about when a good time is. For example, we both learned that we're not first thing in the morning people. Both of us get up early, but we're kind of quiet human beings in the morning. We're not really ready to burst out into the scene until later in the day. So any meetings that we have there in the morning are going to be over tea or coffee, you know, and we'll just kind of ease into something. Again, we both get up early, but we're on the more introverted side. Maybe surprising for you to hear that about me, but it's not surprising if you're to meet Sam. So that's just a really good thing to know about somebody. So that tool is available at yourteamsuccess.com as a download. So please jump in and get that. But it's a great way to make sure that you know how to make that really effective handoff with somebody. So just to quickly wrap up the four ways to make sure that you have really successful collaboration and that you don't get triggered like I did about reading this article that kind of panned it. Here's how to ensure success. That was my goal today. One, make sure everyone is doing what they're good at and loves to do, their unique ability. Unique Ability 2.0 Discovery is a great book and resource to help you with that. Then please make sure that you use impact filters. It's a great tool to make sure that everyone's on the same page. Again, the book for that is the Extraordinary Impact Filter. Then have the mindset for everybody in terms of their teamwork that it's 80%. It doesn't have to be 100. Don't get stuck in perfectionism and procrastination. 80% Approach is the book for that one. And make sure that you know each other's communication styles and the communication builder available at yourteamsuccess.com is a way to do that too. So I've been very satisfying to transform my frustration into something useful. I hope you find this useful. I'd love to hear any comments or questions or considerations that you have about this because turns out I feel fairly strongly about it. I'd love to know if anyone else does too. Please let me know at questions at strategicoach.com. Thank you so much for listening. I love that we're able to talk this way. And as always, here's to your team success. The Team Success video series is a brand new online learning platform to give your team the tools to thrive in an entrepreneurial business. Whether you have five team members or 500, Shannon Waller provides expert strategies for confidence, harmony, and success. You're just one click away at teamsuccessvideoseries.com. Teamsuccess.com.